This podcast is supported by Rider Supply Chain Solutions. Rider has nearly 80 years of experience helping customers in North America, the UK, and Asia transform their supply chains by delivering the best in operational execution. Rider provides a full range of services from optimizing day-to-day logistics operations to synchronizing the supply of parts and finished goods with customer demand. Visit us at rider.com. That's R-Y-D-E-R.com. And now, on to the podcast. Well, you can spend millions on new technology, but if you don't put people first, you're throwing your money away. Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Managing Editor of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. There's a certain irony to the fact that a successful technology implementation requires just as much, if not more, attention to the human element. If you think that you can just plug in a new application and realize immediate benefits, then you are bound to fail. First, you need to deal with the essential elements of what makes us human. Resistance to change, fear that the technology might make us dispensable or at least slaves to the machine, or even change fatigue caused by an endless parade of new ideas and systems in companies that are struggling to keep pace with shifts in demand and the way consumers buy product. Well, it's no surprise, then, that the reaction of so many people to a fantastic new system is to push back. My guest today, Joe Kuto, Senior Vice President and General Manager of Excellos, Inc., and Blake Barthelmus, Chief Information Officer of Columbia Coal Store, Inc., are here to tell us how you can ensure a successful technology implementation by dealing properly with your people. And Blake will tell us about the lessons he learned from the adoption of a new warehouse management system at Columbia Coal Store. So here is my conversation with Joe Kuto and Blake Barthelmus. Well, Joe Kuto, welcome to the program. Thanks, Bob. And Blake Barthelmus, welcome as well. Thank you very much. This is going to be a fascinating discussion because I think the human factor in technology implementation and deployment very often gets overlooked, and as a result, companies run into some real obstacles in trying to make their technology work. Joe, I want to start with you just by asking you in general, in your years of doing this at Excellos, what are some of the major obstacles, roadblocks, and concerns that you face in trying to meld technology with people in the organization and get them to accept it and get it all to run smoothly? Well, that's a good question. Some of the the common and repeatable offenses that we see is that uh, you know uh, any system of our nature is a massive investment to an organization that they hope to run for anywhere from seven to ten years and uh, what's interesting is there's there's a massive exercise in trying to find a partner and choosing the right partner and the right solution that fits their business 
and hopefully also a partner that has the right culture. But there's little to no attention um, uh, that we typically see towards uh, empowering their people and, and making sure that they have sufficient time to support such a deployment. Uh, and, and the other thing we see is when they do seek uh, additional help, they typically uh, seek outside help to help with the critical deployment, um, bringing in people with little to no knowledge of the business, and, and in some cases, little to no knowledge of the industry, rather than backfilling what I would say less critical roles and freeing up people within their organization that have that, that knowledge to apply to the rollout of a system. And who is calling the shots in the organization in your client base most of the time? Is it the CIO? Is it someone from the line of business? Is it different every time? Or, or what exactly is the situation there? There's fundamentally sort of two groups. Uh, larger organizations, uh, you either have uh, the lead is either ops, uh, supported by IT, and that's hopefully uh, uh, the combination where IT is a resource and to assist and guide, but ops ultimately owns the project. And, uh, and in some cases, it's just an executive. It could be a CFO or a CEO who's entrepreneurial uh, and so on and so forth. How do you cope with a situation in an organization when not everyone is on board with the implementation in the first place? I mean, it seems to me to be the natural human reluctance to embrace anything new. You know, we've got a system that's working. We're on Microsoft XP. We love it, that kind of thing. Um, do you face that within the organization, and how do you address that recalcitrance? We don't typically run into uh, an issue. Uh, you know, I think most buyers and most users realize that they have to move on and and their current technology is not keeping up with the change uh so it it isn't so much a an issue of not accepting new technology it's more of an issue of them having the sufficient time the sufficient resources to properly deploy a new system and do you find integration issues too you bring in a new system and there's a lot of confusion and difficulty in integrating that system into existing systems or is that just something you guys do as a matter of course yeah it is a matter of course uh in that i i think if there's anything in terms of integrating a solution to the business is again having a good vision from the leadership of the organization to say okay obviously this isn't just about buying a system getting the system in and being up and running as soon as possible. This is transformational. So how do we transform our business, and what level of reasonableness should we uh, take into account when deploying this system to make sure we're not trying to boil the ocean and have the perfect scenario, but what's reasonable that we get up and running, let's say, as part of a phase one, and then increase the level of automation and sophistication as, a, as potentially a second phase, because there's just too much for people to absorb in that transformation as a single step. Well, I want to bring this then into the real world and talk about the uh, case of Columbia Coal Store. Blake, let me bring you in at this point and ask you to tell us a little bit about your company. What is Columbia Coal Store? What is your, uh, your market niche? Uh, Columbia Coal Store is one of the top 20 uh, cold storage 3PLs in the industry. Um, we are geographically centered in Washington State, and 
move about six and a half billion pounds of our customers' products through our warehouses each year. So products that you specialize include what exactly? Most of the products that we store are in the potato and frozen classifications. Um, we also store seafood, uh, other proteins. Um, but, you know, frankly, we will store whatever is necessary. We have uh, a couple of customers that store trees with us in a temperature-controlled warehouse. Temperature-controlled trees. I wouldn't have thought. How <laughs> interesting. Um, okay, so what was your need in terms of this particular implementation? What were you looking for? What type of technology? A bit about our history in regards to warehouse management. We were on a warehouse management platform that was um, outdated, had gone through a series of transitions amongst various owners. So the, the initial product had been sold off and then sold off again and was no longer meeting the requirements of the organization. Um, things like um, web access or more accurate inventory control uh, or the ability to do directed put away. And we were finding that um, we were up against some efficiency challenges simply because of the, the warehouse management platform that we had. For about three years, Columbia Coal Store had been involved in an implementation cycle for another WMS platform and just had not been successful in rolling that specific platform out for a number of reasons. And actually, Joe had touched on a couple of things that um, directly impacted our initial experience. Um, for example, if you try to bring in an organization that doesn't understand your industry, or you try to partner with a vendor that doesn't understand your language, um, the language of your industry, then you have um, increased the probability of failure by some exponential factor, at least in my experience, that's true. And that's exactly where we were finding ourselves. So wrong solution, wrong partner. And therefore, uh, three years of a failed attempt to execute a transition. Three years is a yeah. long okay. time to uh, to uh, go through a project that does not yield success at the end. I imagine that was pretty frustrating. I, I imagine it was. I imagine it was. Um, I was brought into the organization specifically to correct that issue. And, and what we found was uh, what you'd expect, um, a, a, a degree of change fatigue, of further resistance to change, and certainly um, resistance to engage um, operational resources to, uh, to facilitate that kind of change. Um, but that's exactly what you'd expect. Not resistance to the very fact you needed a new WMS, though. I mean, everyone must, if you didn't have web access, if you didn't have some of these basic tools of a modern-day WMS, there was nobody arguing over the, over the need for a new uh, application, was there? No, not particularly. I mean, there was, a, there was a, a general recognition that what we had was not appropriate for the direction that we wanted to go. But, you know, I think you, you sort of touched on this earlier, right? I, I might um, cognitively believe that I need to replace my system X, Y, or Z because it doesn't meet my requirements. Um, but emotionally, <laughs> I might not be at all prepared or willing to do that. And, um, you know, when we start to consider the, the challenge of any system implementation um, at the core, at, at, at its very 
center um, lies this reality that you are impacting people's lives. And, um, you know, this is what I do every day. I click on this button. I move the mouse to the right. I expect to see this in blue and now it's in red, whatever. And, and, and to step in and say, we're going to fundamentally change your daily experience causes an emotional reaction. And it is, it is up to the project team. And, and by project team, I define that as both the internal team that has been tasked with implementing this system change and the vendor that you are choosing to partner with. As, as a corporate team, it is up to us to, uh, to, to bring people to a place of acceptance. Well, as CIO of the company, you must have experienced something like this before, and you kind of knew what you were up against, I would imagine. You were, were, were you not prepared for a little bit of this human nature to kind of, you know, be, a, be an issue to be addressed? Oh, yeah, fully prepared for that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, this, is, this is a very common reality. You know, the first step as I came into the organization was to evaluate the emotional readiness, really, of the, the organization. And based on that, we did some things to, to, you know, put some stakes in the ground and create monuments that people could come back and polish later. Um, for example, branding the project, bringing in a, having a formal kickoff and bringing the vendors in, the folks in, Joe and others in, uh, to represent the partnership. Um, all those, all those steps went pretty far down the line in creating a level of momentum around the project but also communicating the, the notion of what's in it for me. We call it the WIFM um, idea. And you know, as people started to, to understand that there was actually a benefit in it for them individually, certainly by each warehouse and by the, uh, the, the, the organization as a, as a corporation, um, they started to connect with the project. And um, we, we were able to cycle out of this notion that failure was ever imminent. And, uh, you know, Joe also made another statement and that was, don't try to boil the ocean up front, take a piece of this project, execute against that and be successful. And then start to gain some level of momentum around execution. And that's exactly what we did. Joe, what did you find when you walked in the door of Columbia Coal Store for the first time? Was it a typical situation that you knew how to handle, or were there anything unique about it? What was your feeling about the environment that you were facing in terms of implementing the solution? I think the most important thing is that they had an executive uh, leadership that had courage. And the courage is that if you admit you've made a mistake, if you admit you don't have the right people, and you have to go out and get help, and that's when they went out. A, they recognized they had a problem. They had, you know, most executives want to admit that they made a wrong decision, but th- these folks had courage to do that and and realize they needed help. They go out and hire someone like uh, Blake to help them go at it again rather than going at it again with the same people and expecting different results. So when you walk in to a business that has recognized that mistake, and has gone out and gotten someone with the talent of a, of a, a Blake, then you know we're very happy uh, to walk into a situation like that because we think, uh, should we partner together, that our chances are very good that we'll succeed together. 
want to take a moment to tell you about Rider Supply Chain Solutions. Rider has nearly 80 years of experience helping companies in North America, the UK, and Asia transform their supply chains. Rider provides a full range of services from optimizing day-to-day logistics operations to synchronizing the supply of parts and finished goods with customer demand. As supply chains become more complex, Rider leverages five strengths to deliver the best in supply chain execution. Know-how, lean methodologies, a proven track record, deep expertise in key industries, and a breadth of resources. Visit Rider Solutions at Rider.com. That's R-Y-D-E-R dot com. And now, back to the podcast. Joe, you need to be prepared for anything. I mean, I'm sure you guys have had all different kinds of experiences. You know that you walk in the door, there are going to be a number of people who greet you, who want you there, who understand the value of the new solution to be implemented and understand how important it is to get it done right. But I'm sure there are always going to be a few people scattered within the organization who look at you quite differently. So you must have some tools or techniques kind of at hand to deal with those people. I mean, you must be pretty good uh, at, at dealing with a human factor in a new company that you're going into for the first time. That's definitely true. You know, there was, uh, I would say that operationally, uh, and this is one of the challenges that Blake had to deal with, operationally we do walk into organizations that have, I'll call it fatigue. You know, they, they've, they've tried for some time to put a system in or, or whatever the case may be, and the thought of starting all over, although they recognize that they need to do something different, we, we do walk into an environment that has fatigue, and we're equipped and experienced to deal with that. Um, and, uh, and and that's something that we've learned through the years of implementing, you know, we've implemented systems in uh, 18 countries, so we have a lot of experience in working through the world and seeing different experiences in different situations, and our team has adapted to that. I think the other thing that helps us a lot is the people that are on the ground and that are deploying our systems are former operational people from a business similar to Blake's. So our people can relate and interact and almost be part of that team. Uh, and that's really helpful in bringing comfort to uh, a team like a Blake's organization that, hey, you know what, they speak the same language. Years ago, they did my job. I could really, this is refreshing. And they become relaxed and they, they collaborate and they, you know, we become one team. And I think that's critical, that we can walk in the door and provide comfort that we know what we're doing, that we're experienced. We're not above them. We're, we're equal to them, and we're going to work together with them the long hours, the long uh, weeks uh, to, to help them uh, through this transformation. Blake, what, was, uh, what, what kind of a team did you put together? How many people were involved, and, and what disciplines were, were they from? Uh, it was a multidisciplinary team um, of approximately 20 people, um, however, the uh, band of what we refer to as super users, the, the group of individuals that were um, trained both in system and process as well as implementation was significantly smaller, roughly five. Um, but the, the core team and the super user team spanned every discipline that we have from uh, the office to the dock uh, to supervisory and general management and um, inventory control. I, I think 
you know, absent that kind of engagement from operations and uh, and the office, a project like this fails, right? If this project or, or any system implementation, ERP, WMS, you pick one, um, if it is perceived as an IT initiative, um, already by definition has a challenge. People don't respond to that. And I believe that um, you know, there's no such thing as an IT project. There's a, a, a project that requires IT to be engaged, certainly, but there's got to be a business case. There's got to be a reason why you're executing. And um, you have to align those those appropriate business-related resources and operational resources around the project to get anywhere. And as you say, that what's-in-it-for-me aspect must be crucial. I mean, you have to very clearly communicate the message to each potential user. This is how much better and easier and more accurate and more efficient things are going to be down the line if we get through this project, right? I mean, you must have that message had to be, had to be loud and clear. Um, yes, but I'd spin that a little bit differently as well. Um, in some cases, you know, the truth of the matter is that we might be adding steps. We might be adding complexity. Things might not be easier, but it's it's absolutely important to be transparent and honest about um, the reasons why, what the ultimate value might be, and um, what the benefit to the organization uh uh, might look like, you know, so, so for example, from a practical sense, if we add a, a couple of steps scanning product into our inventory, um, why, you know, that, that might add five minutes to a transaction. Well, on the back end of that, now we have um, better visibility to the inventory as does our customer. Um, and um, perhaps we save an hour on the back end um, trying to find that inventory later. So the benefit's very, very real, but it might not be specifically a benefit to that individual. So it's a lot about being very clear in your messaging. And, um, you know, for every potential ad or takeaway, there's got to be something that resonates for that individual. And, you know, that takes a lot of effort. Um, there's a lot of communication. And, you know, it's our belief that you have to over-communicate and repeat the message, uh, you know, the standard six to, to nine times for that to begin to resonate and people to begin to embrace that. Did this particular project uh, have any uh, effect on employment levels at the company? Were there going to be fewer people as a result of this being uh, installed? Oh, certainly. Um, there's an, there is an opportunity for us to uh, to look at staffing levels and redistribute our people uh, more appropriately does not necessarily mean that we would or have reduced staff. And um, one of the, one of the uh, nice realities that we have here is that uh, our business continues to uh, grow. And as we add new lines of business and new customers, uh, we, we need to retain that staff. So those two things converge at the same time. Uh, making the message a little bit easier. You know, if, if you are engaged in a change initiative and as a, as a result of that change initiative, you may be faced with a layoff or termination of your role, you're going to become much less willing to engage. 
Joe, that's got to be the uh, the hardest thing for you coming into an organization with your solution, the potential for uh, lost jobs or uh, new new types of organizational uh, responsibilities. I would imagine that's what really the basis of the human factor is all about is fear. So you got to confront that all the time, don't you? Yes, the fear and the change combination is something. It's a reality that we face, and our our hope is that our organizations like. Blake's organization that are growing, and as a result of that growth, they can uh, redeploy those folks. And in some cases, you know, that's not going to be the case. You know, we're, we're you know we're not typically involved at the level that we know who's going to be directly affected, because uh, obviously we're working with a core team of talent, and and we we typically do a train the trainer. So our philosophy is about empowering the customer educating the customer and then letting the customer execute operationally. Um, and uh, so, but that's something they have to face and we're sort of a little bit of an extension of that. Uh, and we're sensitive to that uh, in how we go about our business. So Blake, what were some lessons that you learned from this project that you might not have realized before, even though you were an experienced CIO, probably wasn't your first time doing this. What did you learn from this particular implementation? Yeah, there were a couple of lessons that were reinforced for me. No matter how much communication I think is enough, it isn't. And that message was reinforced for me here. Uh, So we had to ramp up our internal uh, dialogue with the organization, change some things from uh, the first implementation through to where we are today. The uh, eyeball-to-eyeball communication was also critically important. We have a lot of folks that have been um, associated with this particular company for 20-plus years, um, so quite a legacy, and I'm new, right? So it was pretty important to sit down with those key uh, uh, influencers, if you will, and on a regular basis just meet with them face-to-face. Although that is a lesson I've learned in the past, it was reinforced as being even that much more important for this particular organization. Uh, the other thing that I learned was was to downrev some of that communication, right? So uh, a couple of the organizations I recently came from had a different expectation. And um, and in this industry, uh, it, it was better to, to be much more simple, or much simpler, I should say, and more direct. That was... I think an important reinforcement, you know, playing off of the, the the question about the vendor relationship, you know, that, that really started out as one of the key factors in our success, you know, the ability to, to uh, trust our partner in this case, the fellows based on the things that you heard Joe say, history in the industry, people that can speak the same language, very important, but, they also did an excellent job of coming in and setting up some expectations for us as a customer. Our COO is fond of saying that Cellos uh, pointed out to us that this implementation would not be for the weak of heart and that they had an expectation that if um, they stepped up to deliver, that we also had to step up to deliver. Now, that seems like an intuitive uh, thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's absolutely what you'd expect. However, it doesn't tend to be um, how things play out sometimes, right? Um, 
Um, we know, unfortunately, that, that there are times when uh, a CIO or a project leader will point at the vendor and, and, and keep an arm's length in an effort to establish that relationship so that there's a scapegoat at the end of this process. Um, you know, that's entirely insufficient um, and does not get you to a place of success. And I appreciate it very much that, that Celis is willing to um, establish this, this line of, of both credibility and expectation early and then reinforce it often with us. So uh, very quickly, Joe, some uh, last words from you on any lessons that you might have learned, what you came away from this project, uh, knowing a little bit more about uh, human, human factor in technology deployment. Well, one of the things we, we uh, got from this particular project is Blake did something unique that we don't often see or rarely see, and he brought in some outside help uh, to deal with operational change management. Through Blake's experience and coaching, the kickoff, they, they had the executives, uh, you know, each at a kickoff meeting, they brought in the key stakeholders, and the CEO stood in front of the room and says, here's what our vision is for the solution, and here's why it's important to our business. And he's talking about, you know, emotionally, as a leader of the organization, he's talking about what he's expecting out of this investment. And then their COO did the same thing, and their CFO did the same, and so on and so forth. So they had a broad audience of 25 people all listening to what each executive is expecting from this investment. And, and we don't often see that where, you know, there's a clear communication to the team of what the expectations are. In addition to that, I think we've also uh, gotten, uh, received a lot of value from watching uh, and listening to the operational change management consultant who came in and being sensitive to what is going on in someone's personal life and how that can impact, you know, their uh, participation in a project that's going on, and that in itself is change. And then when you look at a business like Columbia Coal Store, they can um, acquire a new customer that also brings additional change. So you can have personal change, a new system being deployed, and a new customer that's coming into the business that requires a different way of doing business, or it's an area or a product that requires a different way of handling that they never had experienced before. So I think we've learned to be much more sensitive and about people and and uh, what may be going on that may uh, create a, a particular sort of uh, behavior that we see or or something like that as we're rolling out a project. Well, this has been a fascinating discussion. I'm so sorry that we're out of time, but thanks to both of you so much for telling us the story of uh, how the human factor can be taken into account in technology deployment, and specifically how it was at Columbia Coal Store. Joe Kuto and uh, Blake Barthelmus, thanks so much for being with us today. Thanks for inviting Thank A final word from our sponsor, Rider Supply Chain Solutions. Rider has nearly 80 years of experience helping customers in North America, the U.K., and Asia transform their supply chains by delivering the best in operational execution. Rider provides a full range of services from optimizing day-to-day -day logistics operations to synchronizing the supply of parts and finished goods with customer demand. Visit us at rider.com. Well, that was my conversation with Joe Kuto of Excellus and Blake Barthelmus of Columbia Coal Store. Turns out human beings matter after all. Hope you enjoyed the show. I'm Bob Bowman, Managing Editor of Supply Chain Brain. 
We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch nearly 2,000 videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. See you next time.